0: Welcome to the Music Shop Podcast, where we talk with music retailers from across the country about the challenges of running their business and how they succeed. I'm your host, Eric Thornton. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We've got Max Larson with Center Music House today. Thanks for joining us, Max. How are things going for you?
1: Things are great. Great day. Great. Yeah. Great. So we're hoping
0: to, yeah, we're glad to have you. Hoping to dive into some topics and get your insight just with a lot of things that are going on. I feel like you can give some unique insight, but we wanted to start and get kind of your story. We found that that's fun for listeners to hear, gives them ideas and things like that even. So go ahead and let us know, like, how did you get started and how is Center Music House where it is today? What's the backstory on that?
1: Sure, so it's a family business. My dad has been here since 1973. And he, actually even before that, where we are right now in in Framingham, it's been a, a music store since the 60s. It used to be called Eli Radkin's Drum Studio. And it was this guy, Eli, who sold drums and taught out of the studio here. And it's like an old, Home that was converted into a retail space.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so my dad moved to Framingham in the early 70s, started taking lessons here, and then started working here. And then Eli sold the business to a family, the Agans family, and they changed the name to Center Music House. And they bought the business for their son, thinking he would want to run a music business. But he's like, I don't want to run a ma- music business. I want to. Play music, And so they were left with this business and my dad was still working there. He became the manager. And then in the 80s, he actually met my mom here because she started taking piano lessons at huh. the store. So I owe this place a lot. And so in the 80s, he bought the business from the Agans family. And then I started working here back in the end of 2012, early 2013. So I've been here about nine years and it's retail but also a lot of education so we have about 20 teachers on staff about 400 students taking private lessons the retail has gone through lots of changes we used to be a martin dealer a gibson dealer and so you know my dad tells me stories about back in the day when bands would be touring and they were doing gigs all up and down route 9 which is the major highway that runs from like. Boston to Framingham and Worcester, lots yes. of clubs, way more live music, and bands would come in and buy their own PA system for the tour, and you know buy brand new guitars, and this is the day before online sales and before Guitar Center and Sam Ash and all those guys. And so that's what we were for a long time, and then in the early 90s, places like Guitar Center and Mars Guitar, all the big guys moved in. And uh, took away a lot of that high end business. So we focused more on education and and students. So we started carrying more like student level introductory instruments for like guitar, some keyboards. And then we've always been close with the local schools around here. So doing like school band instrument rentals and repairs. So now where we're at is mostly student focused. So beginner guitars, lots of rentals, violin rentals, selling books, and uh, we also do a lot of repair work, but most of what we do is teaching, Okay, and yeah, that's where we're at.
0: So, I mean, your mom comes in for lessons, (laughs) Uh and your dad works there. When you came into the business, was there anything that was really surprising to you, or was this just kind of, you played instruments all growing up, Mm -hmm. and you were around it, and it just that's what it was. What was that like? Was there anything surprising? Surprising about like behind the scenes, what's going yeah, on in the just, business? Just coming into the business more and starting to actually work there and seeing what goes on. Or were you shielded from a lot of that because you're just, you know, I, a kid that's growing up in the shop, but you yeah. don't, you didn't deal with the angry customers no, or, you know, didn't stuff deal like with that. Angry,
1: No, luckily, no. I mean, I was crawling around on the floor here in diapers. So I, this was like mm. my second home, you know, as a child, not as an adult. I wasn't wearing it. And so. It very much feels like home, you know, to me. Um so the things that I learned no, I I I guess to answer your question, yeah, I was shielded from all the ugly parts. And there are not really too many ugly parts to be
0: honest. Well that's great.
1: But no, I when I started working, I was just working on the sales floor. And so okay. you know, doing customer service and just getting to know the ins and outs of the business and over time I started doing more of the like marketing and Rebuilt our website using WordPress and getting into like social media and Facebook and really trying to modernize the business. And, um, you know, when I started working here in 2013, we were still doing all of our lesson scheduling by paper and pencil. We had a, a big green binder. It was separated by all the teachers and they had sheets for the days that they were teaching. It was basically like a printed out spreadsheet, you know. And so we'd have like different columns for the names of the students and the times and the parents. So anytime anyone wanted to move to a different day, we'd have to erase it and then write it into the next place. And then we had individual teacher folders that they would pick up that had their handwritten. It was just like all paper and pencil. And I was like, this has got to change, like number one. And so we did a lot of searching for uh, lesson scheduling software that worked and We tried a bunch of different things, ultimately found something that paired with a point of sale. It was retail up. Okay. And that didn't work out at all. And then my dad got a postcard from Rain, and he was like, you should check these guys out. And that's how we found Rain.
0: Well, that's interesting. On the scheduling side, you mentioned that you work with schools a lot. Do you do a lot of, I guess, joined work with schools on the lesson side, or the lessons... Generally, with the individuals and the work you're doing with the schools, are the repairs and the rentals, the, or is there a lot of like referral, I guess, and crossover there?
1: It's pretty informal. We don't have any like contracts with the schools as far as you know teaching goes. Okay. So the the lessons we do, it's strictly private. Students come here and they sign up directly with us, not through the school. The relationship we have with the schools is just for rentals. We don't do any repairs really. It's technically through Music and Arts as well. We're a Music and Arts affiliate, which okay. is owned by Guitar Center. And so they have a contract with the school, and they, the kids will rent instruments through Music and Arts through us. We earn a commission on that. But just through having relationships with the teachers, they'll send a lot of students our way, like, hey, you should take some lessons, go to Center Music House, or you should get a new instrument, go to them. That kind of a thing. It's pretty informal.
0: Okay. Now, managing that relationship with the school, I've heard lots of stories and different tactics that people have used. What's your guys' strategy in house to manage that relationship with the school, whether it's to get with new schools or increase sales through a school. Do you guys have a a team of ed reps? Do you guys just do everything with you guys there? What does that look like? And kind of what are your goals when trying to build that school? Business. We really don't
1: have a strategy, to be honest. It's not something that we focus on too much, mostly because honestly, they take forever to pay us on invoices. (laughs) We've had things sit out there for years, and it's like, uh, and then they end up going through, you know, they'll call us for quotes for like 25 ukuleles, and we'll put together a great package of, you know, give them a good deal, and then you know meanwhile they're shopping for quotes at uh, other places and then and they end up going with somewhere else And it's like uh, okay it's tough because we want to be there just to support the the teachers you know okay but the relationship sometimes feels like a one-way street you know and so our strategy i guess is if a teacher comes to us and they're like hey this kid broke their cello that they're renting And it's, you know, they're not renting it through us, but we'll repair the cello. Because we want people to trust us and come to us if they have any issues, and that's an opportunity for us to build that relationship. So that if they do come to us, you know, eventually we want them to think of us as like the music place in town.
0: Yeah, so you're having people that are renting instruments elsewhere, and then you guys are doing the repair and service Mm -hmm. on those. In special cases,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. If, like, for example, This teacher, she teaches in a local elementary school. Very nice. We have a good working relationship with her. And uh, she's like, hey, my cello broke. Can you guys repair it? And it was rented directly to her through Music and Arts, so we don't earn a commission on this cello. And it like, the side separated from the top or something like that. And I was like, you might want to reach out to the rep. And she's like, oh, I thought that was you guys. Like, she wasn't clear about the, Mm -hmm distinction between us and music and arts I was like you know what I'm not gonna make her go through all these hoops talking to music and arts to get it repaired and all that. It's like we can do it right now and help her out so like we're just gonna do it you know because we can and it's the right thing to do
0: yeah well that's great I think yeah to be able to have people coming to you for those sort of things. The other business I'm sure would want that upsell, if you wanna call it that, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great way to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, are there a lot of local music stores around where you guys are at? No, so
1: there used to be half a dozen in town back 40 years ago, and now it's us, and there's a guitar center in Natick, which is the next town over. And there's a little shop on the other side of town called Liberty Music. We're pretty much it. There are some music stores in other surrounding towns around us.
0: So from a marketing standpoint then, mm-hmm. I'm sure that your marketing is probably more local focused than Definitely, yeah. Like nationally focused. Do you guys feel that you have to do much in terms of marketing? And and, and if you do, what are those things that you find are working from a local marketing standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think we are lucky that we've been here for so long that people know we're here. You know, if they grew up in town, chances are Mm -hmm. they came here to rent a flute when they were in fifth grade band. And so when their kid is old enough to start lessons or whatever, they know we're here. And so we've kind of leaned on that a little bit as a crutch and not really focused on marketing too much.
0: Your guys' reputation has been your marketing there. Yeah, exactly. Generational stuff even, which is great, which is fantastic.
1: Oh, we'll go to a lot of local events where we can have a booth and like meet people and talk to people. So there are like local festivals we do. There was an Earth Day Festival last week that we sponsored the music. And so we have a booth next to the music stage and just Having a presence there is our marketing approach. We sponsor a local all-ages rock show at a local venue. I host an open mic at that venue where anybody can come and play. And so we'll get a lot of people from the community and also our students who go and perform. And that's great because we get people who are already interested in music attending. Maybe they're not a student yet, but we had someone just the other day who said, yeah, we want to sign up for lessons. We went to your open mic five years ago. And now my daughter said she wants to play guitar. And so we thought of you. Huh. And so it's like a fun community thing that is also marketing strategy.
0: That's great. I'm sure others do it. That's one I haven't heard of as much of just being in the community at these events that may seem a little unrelated, like mm-hmm. like an Earth Day event where it's like, okay, well, how does that deal with music? Oh, well, we sponsor the music there. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that, I like that idea. Today's episode is sponsored by Rain Retail Software. Rain helps specialty retail, like music stores, manage all the pieces of their business. It's great for managing instrument repairs, tracking inventory in-store and online, or taking recurring payments for instrument rentals. Rain also has built-in tools for communicating with customers so you can keep them in the loop and coming back to your store. With our Reverb.com integration, you can connect your inventory to their site and expose your business to a larger worldwide audience. With everything built into one system, it makes this process seamless and incredibly easy. Rain does all of this and more. For listeners to the podcast, Rain is offering 50% off your startup costs. Click the link in the description or call 385 217 Six one five eight to schedule a demo and redeem this offer. And now, back to the show. I am curious with you guys being a small store, something I've heard a challenge that people are dealing with is getting the right team members to run things. Now you've got standard clerks that, I mean, even that can be difficult to find right now. Mm -hmm. But somebody like a repair technician that is specialized what are you guys doing to manage this uh, human capital difficulty that we're going through right now? What are some ideas or strategies or things that you guys have done mm. to manage that? It's a great question.
1: Uh, as far as the people behind the counter who work here, putting job ads out on Indeed and okay. paying the money to get it exposed, you know, so that more people see it
0: do you find that you're getting those leads and those interviews from we indeed are. is it paying out okay definitely great
1: yeah and the feedback i've gotten from people you know i'll ask potential candidates like what interests you about working here and people are always saying oh i really you know i love music and i want to get closer to music and have it be more a part of my life and i like the idea of working for a small business that's family run i don't want to work for a big company and so that is an advantage of ours and you know just interviewing everyone asking everyone the same questions and really just being very discerning about what we want in a team member and because it's such a small building i'm going to be 10 feet from this person all day long i really want to make sure that we're gonna get along you know and work well together and it's paid off we've hired a couple of team members in the last I heard someone last August and then most recently this past February. And they're great, like could awesome. not be happier That's- during that time. I was working, covering all the shifts after we reopened. After the pandemic, we had lost a couple of the team members. And so it's, it was just me and my dad six days a week. And that was brutal. But it was worth it to put in the time to find the right people, because I feel like I have a good team. You know,
0: that's great. That's awesome to hear. One thing that we obviously look at from being a software provider side is how can software help plug these gaps mm -hmm. where, you know, human capital is difficult. How long have you guys been with rain? Is it four or five years? It's been
1: five years, March of 2017.
0: Okay, great. How do you guys see just, and you can answer it even software in general, how do you guys see that helping you, especially as a small store, fill those gaps of where another store might be able to just hire anybody? How do you guys see software helping fill the difficulty of getting the right human capital? It's just
1: everything. I mean, it saves us man hours, man or woman hours, like the things that my dad was doing when I started working here. I was like, you're doing what? You're spending how many hours doing this? And be like, we can just like automate so much, you know? And it saved us just hundreds of hours. Even stuff just like updating our checkbook, you know? He was... Mm.
0: Manually doing that.
1: Oh my God. Like, what are you doing? So, because we can't necessarily afford to hire like five or 10 people to do a job having software to to just run in the background and take care of things. It just saves us so much time because it's just us, you know, and a couple of other people. And if it wasn't for that, we'd have to be doing everything manually. So yeah, software is everything.
0: Yeah, well, that's great to hear. I feel like if you were able to afford human capital and hiring employees and whatnot, not that's bad, this is not against hiring people, but especially right now when it gets very challenging to find those people, it seems like a lot of people are just very used to that old model of, well, you know, if we've got this much work to be done, that means we need to hire this many employees rather than, you know, I feel like a a smaller shop, like you guys having to get scrappy of, okay, well, can we get a software that can automate this for us because the software doesn't have sick days i mean technically i guess software could uh, have some downtime <laughs> yeah but, but you know you're not dealing with that you're not dealing with okay the scheduling and all that it's just no it's there it works and it costs x amount per month right um yeah it's interesting to see how many people haven't shifted to the software yeah um side of things
1: there was a moment when we were looking for another scheduling software where i was like all right i'm gonna learn I think I was talking to a parent who's doing lessons here, and he was like, you could just program that in SQL and Microsoft <laughs> Access. So I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it's super easy. He got it in my head that I could do this. So I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do that. And I spent so many hours trying to figure it out. I was just like, this is dumb. Like, other people have figured this out. I'm just going to pay them to provide the service. And so that's that's kind of like the other side of the coin. It's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to making your life easier through software it's like you focus on what you're good at in your store building relationships and selling products and lessons and then rain has figured it out just pay them and it's done and when things break they take care of it it's great
0: yeah i do want to ask about vendor relationships for you guys so Uh challenging to get product right now being a smaller store, how are you guys creating those vendor relationships, maintaining them, getting product that mm-hmm. maybe your volume can't speak as much to them to you know take care of you? So, yeah. what are those things you guys are doing there?
1: Our relationships with vendors. My dad is very old school, very like, let's call them up on the phone, and talk him, and let's you know, press the flesh, that kind of yeah. thing. So, our relationships with vendors has always been. Pretty solid. You know, I just got a call from Larry Green from OMG Music who calls and just checks in and is like, Hey, you guys need anything? No, okay, no problem, I'll call you later. So that's been our mode of maintaining those relationships is just reaching out if we need something, checking in, they check in. As far as getting stuff, I mean, it's a small shop and we don't really carry all that much. So we weren't too affected, you know, we don't really rely on the high Mm -hmm. sales volume of product it's mostly the lesson business that drives our revenue
0: now I've, I've talked different stores that do it different ways how do you guys handle your lessons are you guys contracting with teachers are you guys doing all of that in-house how are your private lessons structured
1: all of our teachers are employees
0: okay like how many teachers do you guys have 20 okay so you guys have a lot we do I guess, are your teachers using the software to manage it or like a student can't make a lesson or Mm -hmm. whatnot? How do you guys handle all of that? Is that done by, you know, you as management or are Mm -hmm. teachers logging in individually and handling that? Can students log in and do all that? So with the software we use, everyone is a user and they can log in and
1: do different things. So teachers can log in and they can check their schedule and they can mark attendance. So they can check a student off. Yeah, they were here or they didn't show up. The arrangement we have with our teachers is we take care of, you know, marketing, billing, scheduling, all that stuff so that you guys can just focus on teaching and do what you are passionate about. And so if a student calls up and is like, hey, I can't make it or I need to reschedule, that's done through us. We manage the schedule. Okay. And we have... A part time lesson coordinator who works here about 15 to 20 hours a week managing the, the schedule.
0: Okay, great. So, just going a little bit bigger picture mm-hmm. on owning a music store, what's the most crucial trait or like, you know, top two or three crucial traits for owning and running a music store? What would you say is that?
1: I think flexibility and just being able to roll with the punches is Okay, so, huge. so
0: flexibility in a way of like anything could happen today and I just have to be ready for it.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And not let it rock your boat, not let it, you know, throw you off your game. And I think my dad, you know, he's been doing this for so long and he is Mr. Like cool, calm and collective. He has this superpower where he doesn't let things really get to him all that much, which I really admire. And it took me a long time to kind of develop that on my own, you know, when I was first working here and younger and we get all worked up if something didn't go right or if, like, a teacher calls out sick last minute or, you know, the toilet stops working or whatever. And it's like, eh, you know, I could get all worked up, but it already happened and I can't change that. I just have to deal with it and move forward. And stuff is always going to come your way and you just gotta roll with it.
0: Great advice, great advice. So I know we've talked a little bit about software already on the call, but we would love to hear like, what was the thing about RAIN that made you guys want to start using it and Switch? We know there's other software providers Mm -hmm. out there. What was it that made you guys want to use RAIN and and go that direction?
1: I think it was a few things. The fact that it was cloud-based was huge. We were, in the process of getting a different system up and running, which was not cloud-based, it was like based on a local server. So everything was tied okay. on one computer, and ugh, it was like there are cloud-based systems. Why are we doing this? You know,
0: you guys were having to manage the server yourself.
1: Yes, okay. yeah, and um, it was just not good. And so having a cloud-based where you know if I'm working at home one day i can log in and just just start working behind the scenes that's amazing for my laptop or my phone also the user interface was very appealing was very clean and the fact that it allowed us to list everything on our website as well was a huge bonus so i think those were the top three
0: did you have a website at the time
1: we did have a website but
0: there was no e-commerce
1: on there. It was just basically a, a big advertisement. Okay.
0: Now the real question, how's it lived up to what you were hoping it was able to do when you guys switched over to it?
1: Overall, I'd say really good. I think what was clear to me after using it for a while is that the team there definitely cares about the product and is always working to make it better, always updating things, always, you know, adding new features in beta and then, you know, getting feedback and tweaking it as people use it and responding to feedback. So that, I think, makes me feel good about using it, It makes me rest easy, because I feel like I can trust you guys, you know? I mean, it was just way better than the software we were using before in terms of just the user interface reporting.
0: We love the feedback. We're glad that you're able to see that we do care about the product, that we want it to be better, that we're continually working on it. We've got a lot of resources devoted to that, not just the actual developers, but a team of people that actually looks at requests and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're glad that you see that. Definitely. This has been super helpful to hear all this. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. My pleasure. Best of luck as you keep running your business, Max. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Music Shop. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review to let us know what you think. For more interviews with business owners, visit rainpos.com slash interviews, where you'll find transcripts, show notes, and videos for all our episodes.